0: Welcome to the Flyfisher.co.za Podcasts. It's been a while since my last podcast. I haven't had much time and I've been getting ready for a trip down to Rhodes. I've also decided we're going to try something a bit different. I've got Jonah Shells on the line, Skyping across the globe. He's sitting down in Australia, the country we recently beat in a small game of cricket. But we won't touch on that. We'll talk about fishing. Jonah, are you doing all right?
1: Hi, Mike. Yeah, I'm doing very well, thanks. Sydney's a bit gloomy and grey today, but no, all is good. All is good. You're an
0: expat from South Africa. How long have you been down in Sydney?
1: I've been based in Sydney now for eight years. Uh, Left South Africa in 2001 my ex uh, and pretty much just been based in Sydney, just try, just trying to set myself up, uh, set up life here, set up a business, been fishing a lot. <laughs> a lot. Why did you end up in Sydney? Didn't want to go to Perth, so we decided to come to Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right, then. If you want to know the truth, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get um, into fishing? I mean, you've been fishing for a long time now. I've been fishing for a long time, yeah. I, I, I picked up a fly rod at the age of, I think, nine and... Uh, my first memories of fishing was like in junior school where uh, one of the guys I was at school with, uh, Mark Rathbone, his father had a, a timeshare a place up in the eastern Transvaal, a place called Kuramitsi, and we went up there and, jeez, I'd love to go back there one day just to check it out, but uh, we went up there, I didn't have any gear or anything, and and, and Mark's father had a, a bunch of rods and reels and so on, and, uh, and we went up there and, he, you know, he sort of just shoved a, reel into, a rod and reel into my hand and said, you know, go and watch what I'm doing, you know, and, and do that, and... Uh, yeah, it sort of it started from there and that was my, 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 my earliest memories. But you know what you know what it's like. I mean in South Africa it's like, you know, you just do something and it's like, Oh yeah, you know, you got a fly rod and you go fishing and so there was sort of some years where I didn't fish as much as others, but you know, it's always been something that I've done. Unfortunately I'm from a, a family who enjoys the same passion and today my my mother and father both enjoy fishing and so too my sister and uh, and late brother as well, all key names.
0: But now when you went down there you, you moved from Trout and you started doing some saltwater stuff. Just give us a little touch on what
1: you do right there in Sydney. Well, Sydney, I'm very, very fortunate. I'm, uh, I work from home. Uh, I'm basically, as I'm talking to you, I'm looking out the window and I've got a view up Middle Harbour where I'm uh, day in, day out. I can watch the moon and the stars go by. I can watch the tide come in and out, and I can watch the birds flying in and out as well. So, um, yeah, awesome. I've got access. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The boat ramp's about 10 minutes away from my house and I've got a boat sitting in the backyard just outside. So for me, it's kind of silly to try and think about trout or to go and try and chase stuff up in the hills where I can drop the boat in and in 10 minutes time I can be casting into school of, you know, schooling up Yellowtail or something right here in the harbor. Yeah. Um, my earliest memories of fishing the saltware in the Transkei. Uh, as a kid, we used to go down to Mgazi. In fact, we've been going there for about the last 22 years as a family, and we've we watched that place change through about four or five different sets of owners. Yeah. And uh, but my earliest memories are spent of, uh, in salt. That is, we're spent uh, yeah standing way down river casting at larry's and and and, and skippies and so on. So, but here in, in Australia, I mean, Jesus, for those people listening, for those who have been here, you got to understand the salt in this place is is, is I mean, you're on an island, you know, and it's yeah. a lot
0: of time. Well, you told me about all those fish that just pull string right in the harbor, like 10 minutes from your boat ramp. Uh, what yeah. have you taken, and, and and what's it like fishing right there? It's
1: crazy. You know, I know that in South Africa you do a lot of casts between fish. You know, and I grew up doing that. Yes, you flog you the water. I mean, you, you know, you cast, cast, cast and I think South Africa breeds a certain kind of angler who's hungry and who's keen to fish, but doesn't necessarily get the chance at having a, you know, having a having shots consistently feeding fish or the fish that hold in the area. You know, and I came here, it was just like unbelievable. I mean, you just you go out and you catch fish. You know, mm-hmm. uh, right now, right now in the harbour today, there's there's schools of yellowtail, and they're all you know, they're all uh, 55 to 85 centimeters. So that's anywhere from, you know, three kilos up to six kilos, say, for yeah. example. And you can get those on the surface, and you'll see the birds working. And, you know, this is in the shipping lanes, and this is, like, in the in the naval-protected waters, and some of it's, like, spitting distance from the harbor bridge. I mean, the water is unbelievably clear and clean and well-managed. And the yeah. fish, you know, they banned they ban commercial fishing in the harbor, uh, two and a half years ago, they found some dioxins. The dioxin levels of the sediment in the bottom of the harbor was a 100 times more than what it should be. Yeah. And they immediately banned the commercial fishing, which naturally increase the fish stocks and increased the, the bait activity and so on in the harbor. And honestly, from a fly fisherman's perspective, yes, you can have a jaw. I mean, you just go out. I must have a network of, I don't know, 20 guys who I know who all have little four and a half, five meter center consoles on trailers, yeah. go down, chuck in the boat ramp, um, you know, you go out in the morning, there's a guy who hammers around the harbor in a, in a, in a coffee boat and he makes cappuccinos for you on the water. <laughs> um, so you can go out and you can be, you know, you can, and I've actually been attached to a fish while the guy's been making their coffee as well. And that's made for good. So you no, can that's and right
0: it's, no, that's not right No, that's not right I know,
1: I know. But, but, but at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot of water here to fish right yeah. here in the harbor. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, year-round, you can get fish. And right now, also, just just just, just off the off the heads, uh, there's a run of baby black marlin. They're all sort of around 40 to 80 kilos. And those are close in from about 2Ks out to about 40Ks at the moment. Yeah.
0: Well, that um, actually leads me beautifully into the next topic. I have a lot of South African guys who have all read your article on, on baby black marlin that you took for Fraser, But yeah. 70% of my downloads are from the States. they haven't read your article about catching baby black marlin on Fraser Island. So let's just go straight into that right now. Let's cut the crap and talk about it. A couple of hours drive north of Sydney. How far? About uh, 10 hours? Eight hours? Uh,
1: Actually, it's about double that. I drove up in December. We went to go look for them again in December. It's about about a 15-hour drive from here. But uh, domestic flight is about an hour and 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. So it's really quick. Let me just say, those fish are there... And there are black marlins swimming around everywhere, yeah. but it's not it's not a consistent thing. It's not that they, they are there and they have been spotted there year in year out at different times by different people. But yeah. but getting them to take a fly and getting them to eat and being there while the weather's good and so on is is, is, is a real rarity and sort of. So so anyway, I, I was due to go up there and fish with uh, fish with a local guide up there, uh, Nat Bromhead. Very well-known saltwater guide, really nice guy as well, and I've fished with him a couple of times. And you know, he, a month before he's phoned up and he's gone, listen, he says it's it's off the rector. We've had six or seven shots. Hmm. Just get up here and just send the message home because each client has either faltered or dropped the rod or shattered his pants or something has happened <laughs> that he, he hasn't he hasn't caught the fish. And I don't know. I mean, like I was saying, my point earlier about South Africans just casting for ages. You know, if you spend hours and hours and hours and hours as a kid, your casting gets good. I mean, you know, your casting gets good, and, and, and that's your weapon. Yep. You know, and, and when it comes to shove and, and it's time to deliver, I reckon South Africans can deliver the goods as far as fly fishing goes. I mean, you know, you look around and you look at guys in different corners of the world who are, who are, who are you know, raising the bars. Well. That's a bit cliche, but like the ocean yep. can deliver the goods. A lot of them are South African guys, you know. Yep. And I'm not playing my own bubble. I'm just saying, like, I don't need two shots. I just give me the one shot, and that's fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I can, I can, I can, I can do the cast. Yeah, true. Um, so we went up there, uh, got up there, and, and and actually, it was it was really nice. It was uh, my best mate, Etienne, who's also a South African Oake, uh, yeah. He's out here. And so I said to him, listen, I'll share the cost with you. We'll, we'll go with the charter. We'll go for three days. Uh, we'll book in with Nat, and, uh, yeah, we'll go up there, and what we'll do is we'll go camp up on the island. So what we did is we, we flew in uh, with the rods, Bag and stuff like that, and uh, met up with Nat. Loaded up his boat. He had a 4.8 meter center console. We loaded it up with extra fuel and uh, supplies and whatever, and then we did the run across from the mainland to to the island, which is a it, it's an easy run, maybe 10 k's or something, and it's all protected, so it's flat. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, and so, and then basically ran for about an hour and a half up the inside of Fraser Island on the west coast. So yeah. what we did is we went up to a creek up there called Wathumba Creek, yeah. and uh, Camped up in the creek, and basically what we did is we we, we, we set up camp uh, and and based ourselves there for like three days, um, and yeah, I mean, basically he said to me, he said, listen, you've got a choice. We can either go and catch fish, and you know, you can log up your numbers, or we can put the time in, and and if we can have a shot at one of these fish, we have a shot. And you know, I, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm not really into numbers. Yeah. Uh, I just want I, I like catching difficult fish. I like ca- I like challenging situations. I think after. You know, after doing something for three, two-thirds of your life, you, you really do want situations that push you to, you know, do the next best thing. And, and I said yeah. to him, he said, yeah, just put me in front of the fish, let's go. Yeah. So, anyway. Okay, so, the, uh,
0: so, what are you gunning at? Yeah. You're gunning at baby blacks now. And, and picture the scene. I mean, from the photographs that I've seen and, and from talking with you about it beforehand, I mean, the water is, what, about two, three meters deep. It's crystal, crystal clear. These things are sitting at what? And they were between 40
1: and 80 kilos? What you've got is you've got basically Fraser juts off at about 45 degrees to the mainland of Australia. Yeah. And the currents that come down, what they do is they come down from up north. And the, the blacks start off their run usually in about sort of September, August, September, right up north of Cairns in a place called Cape Bowling Green. And they start up there. They come in from the deep water, and they're small. They're only, you know, 15, 20 kilos. Mm-hmm. And they come down in their hordes, and they start working their way down. And by the time they get down to Fraser, now the top side of Fraser is about 35 miles away from the mainland. So any yeah. fish that's 35 miles off the mainland immediately gets sort of channelled down into the in, into the into the bay, into into the Harvey Bay. Yeah. And what we were doing is basically you work your way up to the tip of Fraser, so anything that comes past that tip over there is coming straight out of deep water and straight into shallow water. So what we've got is this convergence of deep water on one side um, and then comes straight up onto the island. Now Fraser itself is one big sand island, it's 110 k's long. And yeah, I mean basically what you've got is just a steady gradient um, out of deeper water and then literally up into, into shallow water. And you can you know if you sit in deeper water it's, it, you, you can fish five six meters deep and then you can go up to you know half a meter deep if you want mm-hmm. uh, and basically basically you you know what we were doing is just it's just spotting i mean you, you know slowly slowly just got the engine in gear and just slowly just chugging along and yeah we were in about we in about two meters deep water uh, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe, maybe eight maybe eight just over two meters maybe eight feet seven or eight feet yeah. And I mean, you can see everything. You can see everything a mile off. And what happens is at that time of year, and in that specific area as well, you get a mix of uh, either longtail tuna, which I think you guys would call maybe bluefin, yeah, uh, and uh, and baby blacks as well. So you know, you, you're going to see something moving on the flat, and it's either going to be a tuna or it's going to be a, a baby black. So anyway, we yeah, so we 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 basically were camping, and then we start. Okay, well let, let's go. So got the ten weight. Um, got a fly, a uh, six-inch deceiver on a six-o hook. Just had that ready, had my line ready, stretched, wet, all laid out in front of the boat, and I was just basically nice and relaxed, standing in front of the boat, just waiting for the shot. Um, yeah. And it didn't take long at all. You know, we we approached the flat, and uh, you know, we, we went straight over the top of one as we were approaching the flat, and he was a big fish. Yeah. Um, and he pissed off, and I, I didn't even see it, but my mate was like just barbling stuff out of his mouth. Blah, blah, did you blah, blah, see that? I was like, I don't I see anything, bro. What was it? And he said, yes, that was a big fish. <laughs> but, so, yeah, anyway, we, we, we basically just plotted up and down um, pretty close to the land, you know, in six feet of water, just looking, looking, and then uh, there it is. I mean, it's bloody clear as day. is this big black fish just swimming along. And they're very happy little fish. I mean, very happy little fish. They're not fazed by anything. They're just slowly <laughs> mooching along. I mean, like dwarf almost like fish. you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, slowly just mooching along and, yeah, I mean, that's it, you know. Uh, basically just approached the, approached the fish. He had no problems with us being close to him. He didn't care at all. And, uh, no, I just put the fly straight across the front of him and, uh, well, to the side and to the front. And he's just turned and put it in his mouth and I so stripped, and it came straight out of his mouth. And I was like, oh, my God, he cannot be serious. And he followed it a little bit closer to the boat, and then he sort of carried on on his trip again. And then I did another cast, same thing, and he's turned and eaten the fly, and I just yanked it straight into his bill. And, uh, hey, we were on. Eh? So just back here, just stripped it straight into his bill, and he's just gone nuts. I mean, he's just gone berserk, literally just took to the air, just running around on its tail, left, right, and center. And it's just, I mean, it's just crazy. You know, you get to see this marlin with this big pink fly sticking out of its bill and he's running around in six foot of water and the guide runs across the boat and he comes along kisses me on the side of the face and he's screaming things up and down and you know, it's just crazy time oh no. um, there
0: that,
1: that wasn't a 10 weight huh? 10 weight yeah they're not strong fish to be honest I mean they, they, they're they not strong fish at that, that one was what maybe 30-35 kilos and, and and to say that it's like it is a strong fish and he, you know, he's going to pull 150 odd metres or something that's you know but, but they're not power. They're not like they're not like their big brothers. It's not like a 70, 80 kilo black that's just starting yeah. to get into trouble. You know, at thirty kilos you can pull them, and you know that that thing only took me 15, 20 minutes to land. Yeah. Yeah. But you know you're pulling hard. I mean, you know you. Uh, no. It's yeah. not tough. Yeah. So I'm pulling the thing. But um. Yeah. And then basically, and then and then you know that was that. We took a whole bunch of photos and. Uh, you know, and, and, and then I dropped the thing in the bloody water, and uh, it, it, it sunk, so I jumped into the water, stripped down to my boxers, jumped into the water, and, uh, and the guide got a couple of pics of me swimming along with this thing in the water, which in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have been doing, because a shark would have loved that. Yeah, um, hell yes. Uh, and then we did the same thing again the next day. Found another fish, made another cast, he ate the fly. Uh, a little bit smaller fish this time, he was probably 20, 25 kilo fish. Um, yeah, and basically did it again but yeah to be honest I mean it's just a matter of like I say it's just a matter of being there things work out and and being just having the ability to make the cast when it counts you know and I think that, that in itself is the essence of, 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 of successful fishing no matter where you are is that if you're seeing you know a big yellow you know taking you know midges or bugs off the surface, and, and, and you can deliver the one cast and get the fly in its mouth. Or if you're, you know, same thing, casting to fussy New Zealand browns or, or, or wherever, or if it's a marlin on the flats, if you can make that one cast and make it count, you're going to, your, your your strike rate's through the roof. Um,
0: yeah, now, when, when we were and, talking about it, you, you said that you, you could have stood there for three days without making a single cast. And when, you, when, okay. when that cast was there, you just... Put the line straight behind you, straight in front of you, yeah. laid it down,
1: and it was in the right place. There's a lot of things that contribute towards being able to do that, and yeah. that is, you know, that is that is preparation. Um, you know, have you got your nail knot that ties your leader or your your, your connection that ties your leader and your fly line? Is it out the end eye? Because you mm. don't want to start shaking the rod to get the bloody knot out. Mm. Is is your line wet? Is your line stretched? Is it coiled up? Are you standing on your line? You know, all these mm. kind of things contribute, and it's, it's these little things that make you be able to make that shot and make that shot count because if yeah, you can true. take that shot and make it and, and, and y- your fishing is you know y- the, the sky's the limit it comes um, back
0: down to preparation and, and preparation is key for a lot of people but now tell and, us a bit and, more about and, the east coast and, of australia
1: well let's talk let's let's compare east to west yeah and uh, we'll kill two birds at one stone. the majority yeah. of the cities are on, on, on the east coast you've got you know at the bottom down there, you've got Melbourne, then you move up, you've got Sydney, then you've got Brisbane, then you got Cairns, and all the towns and stuff in between. On the mm-hmm. left-hand side, on the west coast, you've pretty much got Perth, and you've got a couple of other towns and stuff, but nothing like what you've got on the east coast. Yeah. Um, the east coast is dominated by uh, deep seas, rocky headlands, beaches, uh reef marlin, and then halfway up you've got, you know, your uh, Great Barrier Reef, which is now two-thirds of that as a green zone, so there's no fishing in there. Yeah. Your west coast is dominated by desert, which then just basically runs straight into the sea, not not as green and lush as the east coast is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you take two completely different and separate fisheries altogether. The east coast is is, is a phenomenal fishery as far as, you know, your bread-and-butter fish, Fly fishing wise, you know, a lot of what you do here on the East Coast, uh, you need a boat because you're going to basically head offshore, you know, if you want to do it seriously, that is. On the West Coast, there's a lot of stuff which you can do, which is wading. Um, and, you know, you can, you can get out and you can wade. There's a lot more flats and so on. Um, what well, are you
0: catching on the West Coast? Because I know we, we did it. You, you, you gave me some sort of number, like 22 species are, are ready, readily available.
1: Oh, I would say more. I would say probably 52 species are available. You probably get, 20, you probably get 22 species of Trevally alone. Oh, my word. Um, oh, it's, it's, it's out of control. You see, what I'm doing is basically I've been based on the East Coast now for eight years, and I've, I've been all up and down the East Coast, and I've done it all. I've been up to Cape York, and I've come all the way back down, and it's nice, but I've also been across the West, and for a South African the West Coast really is a lot more like home than what the East Coast is. Mm. So for me, I'm now going to head across for a while and go and check out the West Coast and do a bit of exploration and so on. But yeah. yes, as far as species go, I mean, you can log up a crap load of species. You know, you, you, it's not uncommon to have shots at you know, 10, 15 different species of fish in the day, and if you mm. can make the shots count, you can get those species.
0: What are we talking about? We're talking everything from bones to GTs.
1: Whatever you want, whatever you want. You can, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, like let's say there's places where you can wake up in the morning, run down the beach and catch 15-pound skipjack straight off the beach, get on a boat, start catching bones and permit, permit to, you know, 25, 30 pounds, move oh. a little bit further out, you can cast at queenies big queenies tuna busting up and go a little bit further out and start casting at sailfish and billfish and then <sighs> come back and have a cold beer sitting on the beach while you're catching skipjack again oh no no it's just not so, right there. <laughs> I know it's, it is but you know it, it, and that's the reality of it and the funny thing is uh, yes, with the times that I've been to the west coast you know, um, I've been twice up to Dampier, and there's 42 islands that make up the Dampier Archipelago, and that's pretty much the top left corner. Mm. And I've been there, and, and, and you know, the locals are the locals got a very sort of meathead mentality. They, uh, they, 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 if you can't eat it, they don't catch it. You know, I've seen guys driving straight past schools of GTs busting up bait, and straight past schools of tuna crashing through bait, and same thing, and they go, they just go straight past it. You know? Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, if you want, whatever you want. I mean, whatever you want to catch, it's just a matter of, you know, working out where they are and going to catch it. Uh, the fish stocks, you know, the fish stocks are basically crazy. I mean, the management of the fisheries uh, is, is really, really well looked after. And there's catch limits in place. There's, and the guys respect it. You know, there's heavy fines in place as well. If you go over the limit, if you're catching undersized fish, your bag limits over the line. You know, you get your you get hefty fines, you get your license taken away, all this kind of stuff. And the guys, the guys are, are down with it, you know, and they know yeah. to look after the fisheries. The fisheries, a healthy, healthy fishery.
0: Yeah. You you basically got
1: every species that you could really want on your island. What I'm busy doing now is in six weeks' time, I'm actually leaving Sydney. i bought myself a Toyota Land Cruiser. I've got a boat, I've got a five metre boat, and basically I'm going to be living out of that for the next year. I'm going to drive straight across to WA and I'm going to spend the first eight months exploring WA and to get across these 4,200 Ks straight across.
0: <laughs> that is huge, uh, yeah. And I thought oh, no, the fun. drive from Jobeck to Cape Town was a monster.
1: Uh, this is this is three or four times that drive.
0: You see, I'm so jealous of you. I don't want you to tell me what you're going to do, but we will keep in contact, and you will post me sites <laughs> and stuff like that. So when you spent some time out of Christmas Island, and that to me was quite awesome. I, I remember seeing a somebody loading a reel with a thousand yards of string on it so what did they have a thousand yards of uh, 30 pound uh, gel
1: I think it was, was 50 pound gelspin on there yeah well we, we went to Christmas Island you see for us in Australia now it's it's, it's cheap as well it's relatively cheap um, air Pacific is just uh, about three years ago they started up a flight that goes to Nandi in Fiji and then just goes straight to Christmas Island so the flight to Fiji is four and a half hours and then it's like Five-hour flight from there to Christmas Island, where previously you'd had to go to Honolulu, which is past Christmas Island, then turn around and come back, and that Mm. would push the budget back. You know, that that you're spending two thirds of your budget on on an airline ticket. So, yeah. So basically, the last two years running, I've been out there for two weeks at a time. And uh, yeah, I mean, Christmas Island. For those who don't know, Christmas Island's on another level completely. I mean, it's the largest atoll in the world. It's about two. I think it's two hundred and forty square kilometers of flats, and it's. It's one of the most consistent bone fishing destinations on the planet. The Yanks have been going there for the last quarter of a century. Um, the numbers are stupid of bonefish. Uh, you know, you can get sick of catching bonefish if that's even possible. Yeah, it's funny you say that. But so inside the lagoon in Christmas Island, it's just bonefish city. A lot of big GTs and stuff come in all. You know anything from fifteen to twenty pounds is the sort of the little tackers up to your eighty to hundred pound fish uh, which are you know your, your' unstoppables um yeah and that's inside the lagoon then outside the lagoon, basically the atoll just drops straight off and uh you know down to a couple of thousand kilometers a couple of thousand meters of beerpoder yeah. and then you know any amount of pelagics come past there, sailfish, marlin yellowfin, you know whatever yeah. um so we went out and uh, yeah, I mean I was there for two weeks. Uh, you lose count of the number of bone fishing and, and and dare I even say it? It's actually, the bone fishing is easy. I mean you can. Uh, you, I was practicing my casting with my left hand just to get the of what it was like to catch fish the other way around. Just just because there's that many fish, it's like what do you do? It's like you know you're going to get bored otherwise. you know? Yeah. Um, we then went offshore. We ventured offshore and we came across the most amazing schools of, of yellowfin tuna. All you know, 20-kilo to 50-kilo fish just crunching baits, just the most hugest amounts of baits and birds and everything going crazy. And, and we had some really, really good action. But, you know, we're fishing out of those long boats and getting those yeah. oaks to steer the long boats and where you got to be and getting mm-hmm. them upwind. And, and it's, 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 it was quite a challenge. But we did we managed that, and we got some good fish. You know, we got some good yellowfin, and, and, and we even got a sailfish one day as well mm-hmm. off the back of those. So, mm-hmm. You know, um but there again I, you know there again it's just a matter of i guess being in the right place at the right time and and being able to you know deliver the cast and uh you know you know perform and i guess you know get the fly in where where it should be and that's it you know yeah true I mean, anyone can do that i mean it's just, you just got to be there that's all
0: yeah it's true um, get just your, get yourself there and make sure you have the right kit and and, and just throw your fly <laughs> at at the fish that's it right. it's like anything you know it's fishing all right but you run a little website um Swaffa, uh, and yeah. you've been putting stuff up there. I mean, you've got some really power stuff on there. Not not a whole lot of pages, but the pages that are there have got some really power stuff on there. So I'm going to put yeah. a link up for that and, and maybe put a video or two. And um, yeah. but, if people well, let get hold let me, of let me you.
1: Talk, let me talk a little bit about that in, in just in, for five minutes. What we're actually yeah. doing there is… Um, Swoffer is uh, Australian slang basically for a saltwater fly fisherman. So myself and a partner have gone into business and we started a little website, which has now turned into an absolute monster of a website. Yeah. And what we're busy doing is we're busy building a directory of saltwater fly fishing information in Australia for mm-hmm. you know, for people to come along, visit, uh, and get any amount of information. And the idea behind the articles that are up there now on uh is basically just to create interest and... Uh, just to create awareness of the brand and, and so on. But we basically are currently, you know, today working on a on a, on the a release of about an 80-page website with comprehensive listings of species, locations, guides, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so on. Um, and and now, you know, I'll be taking a trip around Oz, like I said, and and all the information that I uh, come across and the people I meet and, and and the experiences I have will be driven back through the website. Um, so no doubt there'll be a lot of content and stuff flying around and, and I'd love to share that with you as well and get some you know, uh, Get some some links back to your site and get some information back share well, with you. Of course
0: on. You're you're going to be online when you go on your trip. I mean as much as possible. Am I right?
1: That's correct. Yeah, uh, right,
0: so if people we, want to get hold of you let, let me put your email address up for them and uh, and they can always pop <laughs> your mail and, and visit your website, etc.
1: Yeah, and where well, they could register on the website and uh, leave the details. And what we can do is just keep them on our news list. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and and as new broadcasts come out, videos, um, articles, whatever, we can just keep people in the loop. Uh, yeah. It's a great way of being distracted. You know, you get to work and you've got an email sitting in your inbox and uh, you just know you're <laughs> going to get distracted for the next couple of hours. True.
0: We've, we've been on this long, much longer than we thought we would, so let's wrap it up. i got a quick
1: fire favorites, which is favorite species. Uh, I'd have to say favorite species would be tuna. Any kind of tuner. Any kind of tuner on the fly rod uh, doesn't get much more difficult and much more speedy than that. And that, that does it for me.
0: Why? Just because they pull string?
1: Yes. Uh, different tuna do different things. Some tuna are stupid and, they, and they're easy to catch, but some tuna are bloody hard. Uh, yeah. They're fast. You've got to be fast. You've got to be accurate. Um, and they, yes, then they pull string and they're strong. Um, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy it. Okay. Uh, favorite stick? Favorite stick, I'd probably say is my nine weight
0: Orvis T3. Um, favorite flies, uh, I normally do favorite dry fly, favorite nymph, no, but but you're doing swaffer stuff at the moment, so let's ask you about your favorite favorite surface and then favorite subsurface.
1: I'd say my favorite surface fly is probably going to be um, the flipper, <laughs> mm-hmm. good old South African pattern. Yeah. Um, and my favorite subsurface, yeah, I keep things pretty basic, you know. I'd probably just say uh, just a deceiver. Yeah. You know, bait, general bait fish pattern, nothing fancy. I can put a bait fish pattern from 90% of fish and get the eat. So as long as they swim well and look good in the water, you know, I'm happy days with that.
0: All right, well, let's run through the favorite gadget or Gizmo now. Saltwater stuff, you must have at least a decent something.
1: Well, I can, be, I can tell you that I'm very fortunate enough to... Uh, a very 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 lucky individual and for those in the know who are aware of Charlton Reels and, and who Jack Charlton is uh, mm-hmm. I was approached 18, 18 months ago uh, directly by Jack to be on his pro team uh, which for me is just a massive opportunity and just a massive humbling experience that you've got someone who's that uh, connected and that making that kind of gear uh, he's contacted me and said, "Listen, he's coming out with his new range of Mako reels, and he wants me to be on the pro team. And he's he's stocked me up with a range of reels, and I've got more. I've got two more arriving next week, and I've, you know, I've got a drawer full of the damn thing sitting here. And you know, I'd, I'd have to say, as far as gadgets go, you're not going to beat that because the thing is no. like a bloody, it's like a, it's it's a, it's an engineering genius. You know, it makes a drawbar cork uh, drag look look pretty amateurish." Nothing wrong with cork jugs and stuff. It's all good, but I mean, it's just like as far as gadgets go, uh, this thing's pretty smart. These reels are pretty smart. So yeah. I just, you yeah, I, I guess on multiple levels, I'm fortunate enough to uh, to have that opportunity.
0: We try to keep the next one too fly fishing, but not necessarily related. So favorite
1: um, author, movie, and book. Jesus, I don't read books, man. I'm I'm, I'm out fishing. Uh, <laughs> uh, movies. I guess I I run a web business, so everything I do is kind of online, so I guess Mm -hmm. I'm kind of really into the short movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know the guys who put the short film, the the, the Fly Fishing Film Festival, Nick Rager and those guys from New Zealand, and I'm really sort of into the short films, sort of 10, 15 minute type films that are online, and Jamie Howard stuff, you know, the Location X, and uh, Chasing Silver, and now the Bass movie and stuff. I'm sort of, I'm I'm really into that sort of new age stuff. Um, I mean, I've got a whole bunch of book there's but I never read them. Eh? I'm just out fishing most of the time. True.
0: Um, and, and I suppose you're just about head off on your trip of a lifetime, but at what expenses pay a trip anywhere in the world?
1: If someone could pay for this trip that I'm about to do, that would be sweet. <laughs> um, honestly, I, honestly, I couldn't imagine actually doing anything better than camping and fishing and spending the next year in the remote parts of Western Australia, because every species of fish that you've ever wanted to catch is there and I can't actually imagine to do – anyway, I'll be there for eight months. So if you want to come over, bro, you're welcome to stand <laughs> on the front of my, front of my boat. It's open – let it be publicly known, Mike, that you're welcome to come and stand on the front of my boat as my guest. Publicly. Everybody heard that. That
0: is so awesome. <laughs> Don't know, if I can get on a plane, I will be there. But, no, um, and
1: this is not really dry flies and double orts and stuff. You leave those double orts at home now, okay? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Ten weights. Here we come. Uh, thank you so much for your time Jana. I really appreciate it I think the guys are going to learn something and and at least enjoy listening to you and and I know your passion will come through thank you so much
1: great talking to you and uh, like I said you're welcome to that spot in the front of my boat and uh, if you don't want it well auction it off to someone on your website
0: (laughs) cool man thanks
1: (laughs) they say you know Life is given, but I tell you now, saw within that river you find yourself in the heart of heaven. Close off so long you could swim forever. Find place to rest your grace. The silver sands lead the way. The water's golden, stories told. The blue clouds, sapphire, summer days. Fun way to spend today. day. Take yourself deep right away. Drive six hours and walk five days. Hey, hey, hey.